Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the December 18th episode. We are in 2nd Chronicles, Haggai and Zechariah. Is that right? Haggai? Yeah. I think I always heard Haggai, but when I look at it, it doesn't... You heard Haggai? Haggai. Yeah, that's what I've always, in my head, it's Haggai. Huh. I, or Haggai, but Haggai is what, but it's not that, so. Huh. Okay, 2nd Chronicles, Haggai, Zechariah, Revelation. and Revelation. All right, 2nd Chronicles. The purpose of the Bible reading plan is just to read through. We're not spending a lot of time studying. We do that in our live study material, so... When I see something and I put a question mark by it, I often don't study it because there's a lot of reading to do in a week. Yeah. Yep. Chapter 14, I think because I'm doing the Prince of Peace article, I love that it says, I think verse six, it says, because he got rid of all the pagan shrines and altars in the cities of Judah, that his kingdom was at peace because the land was quiet and there was no war. He was able to build up a good defense system in Judah. God kept the peace. Mm. mine says I think it's the same mine says the Lord gave him rest and I loved that too Mm. says we have this peaceful land because we sought God he has given us rest from all troubles I don't think I remembered that Jeroboam was such Jehoshaphat oh yeah was a good king yes he was pretty Mm -hmm. awesome Mm -hmm. and Asa this is something that I think we've seen over and over in 15.4, it says, but they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, and he was found by them. We've seen it a lot in the prophets, too. They talk about God's just, like, ready and waiting. Like, mm-hmm. we, I feel, and we talked about this a lot, too, with the Israelites and the Exodus, like, way back at the beginning of the year, that he's, he doesn't force himself on us. Like, that, I, that, that um, tension between God's sovereignty and, like, human, man's free yes. will. Just that idea, like even in the garden that God gave Adam and Eve a a choice. Mm -hmm. He created them and he loved them, but he wanted them to love him in return because they loved him, not because they had to. We were just talking about that last night. Well, it ties into that. We maybe don't want to put this in here. Spoiler alert. The one that I loved for your um, Genesis study, the idea that like, the fact that we are broken and redeemed makes us love God more. Like we have this capacity to love him in a way that we wouldn't have been able to love him had we not broken his law in the first place. Mm -hmm. That idea of the, just not that the truth of what he did to buy us back, that causes a love that just being created wouldn't cause. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. We talked about this last week, I think, in First John. I mentioned that verse that talks about God's commands not being a burden. 
because we've conquered the world. Like by them, we conquer the world. It's first John. Okay, first John five, his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And when I was reading in second Chronicles and he's talking about Asa and Asa makes this oath and they do this, they sacrifice, they enter into a covenant with the Lord. And Asa basically, as the king promises that they're going to seek the Lord alone, like he makes this promise and um, everyone celebrates. And it says Judah rejoiced over the oath for they had sworn it with all their mind. They had sought him with all their heart and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side, kind of the same idea as before, but it just made me think about the idea that they're submitting themselves to like the law is what they were doing. But at that moment in time, they recognized that that law wasn't a burden. Like that law was Mm. what was going to protect them and keep them in the way they were supposed to go. And that's why they were rejoicing. It just made me think of that first John passage. So King Asa is, so there's a division of like, there's Judah and there's Israel. Now we're like, things are about to get really confusing because we're going to learn about Kings. Actually here, it's a little bit more easily laid out because it's, I think we kind of get all of Judah's Kings. I think because Israel has completely like, they've completely rejected God pretty much. Right. I feel like this is the first time we're seeing King Asa and Jehoshaphat kind of up close and realizing how much they were like really committed to following God. Um, Yeah, it's more information than we got before, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're glad you're tuning into the recap and we'll get right back to it shortly. But did you know we're going to be hosting a Bible reading plan challenge starting in 2021? We'll have incentives and accountability and spoiler alert, listening to the recap will count as you're reading if you fall behind. If you're already reading along, maybe you could join our podcast as a guest. This challenge will be a fun and easy way to get your friends and family to dive into God's word with you. This way we can all be on the same page all year long. Please rate, review, and share the recap. It helps people find us and builds our community of believers who love God's word. Jehoshaphat. I have a lot of things highlighted, but basically I just remember I was surprised to see how much he also loved God. And he sent teachers like one of my headings was Jehoshaphat's educational plan. And I'm like, wait, what his educational plan? And he did, he sent officials. I don't know if they were, I don't know if they were, yes, they were Levites. Yes. They go throughout the whole land of Judah with the book, having the book of the Lord's instruction with them. And they go out and they teach the people. Yes, that's right. Yep. And then there was something about a prophet that they were that basically that he had gone to the king of Israel and the is, king of Israel was like, you don't want to hear from our prophet, the one prophet, because right. he's Ahab always giving me bad news. Yeah. Yeah. And Ahab is like, no, no, we want to hear from these prophets. And they all tell him exactly what he wants to hear. And then Jehoshaphat's like, um, let's just, let's, let's get one more prophet. Let's yeah, hear let's from somebody we don't think guy. we want to hear from just mm-hmm. to get another perspective. And sure enough, he has bad news. Okay, but did you see how that played out? Yes, he first gives them, he first says yes. That he first agrees yeah, with the other prophets. like he shows up and he says, the messengers are like, come on, but make sure you say the right thing. Like you, whatever you say needs to agree with what everyone else has said. And Micaiah is like, no way. I'm going to say what God tells me to say. And, and then, then it seems like he does yeah. it at first. Yeah, he, yeah, verse 14, he says, the king says, do we attack Ramoth 
Gilead, or do we hold back? And then he says, go ahead. He said, an easy victory, God's gift to the king. He says, not so fast, said the king. How many times have I made you promise under oath to tell me the truth and nothing but the truth? Ahab is the one that said that. So Ahab, like, doesn't believe him when he says, yeah, go on up. Right. Ahab is like, "I, I know you're lying. Tell me the truth. Yes. So then he does. Right. Which you would think he would have been like, oh, well, he finally agrees with the rest of them. Let's go. But no, he's like, right. Tell me the truth. Right. And he tells them the truth. The king of Israel turned to Jehoshaphat. See, what did I tell you? He never has a good word for me from God. Only doom. And then Micaiah kept going. I'm not done yet. Listen to God's word. And he gives them bad news about their death and their what's going to come of them. And that's what happens. Yep. Oh, and he puts a he puts the worship team in front. This is one of the places yes. we see that like he sends the people who <laughs> he sends the people who are worshiping ahead of the warriors, which I think is an incredibly beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. Then Jehaziel, who's Jehaziel in verse 17 of chapter 20. Moved by the spirit of God to speak from the midst of the congregation. That's right. He's like in the middle of all this huge crowd. Jehaziel was the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah. Benaiah was a huge warrior under Dave, David, King David, mm-hmm. the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite of the Asaph clan. He said, attention, everyone, all of you from out of town, all you from Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, God's word. Don't be afraid. Don't pay any mind to this vandal horde. This is God's war, not yours. Tomorrow you'll go after them. See, they're already on their way up from the slopes of Ziz. You'll meet them at the end of the ravine near the wilderness. He's like telling them exactly what's going to happen before it happens. You won't have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm, Judah and Jerusalem, and watch God's saving work for you to take shape. Don't be afraid. Don't waver. March out boldly tomorrow. God is with you. And so they do. They march out in faith. And sure enough, God mixes them all up and does his thing. And they all Mm -hmm. come upon them. They fight each other. Yeah. 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 I just love those stories where like God mm-hmm. is like, it makes me think of, um, oh, this is a totally crazy connection, I think, but it totally makes me think of Mary Magdalene and Mary going to the grave and going, how are we going to move the rock? They're going to anoint him. They have all the stuff they've collected the, and they're going for that very purpose. And they're going like, what are we going to do when we get there? Yeah. And God's like, I've taken like you have no he, idea. Yeah, you have yeah. no idea. Like exceedingly abundantly. <laughs> yes. Or, the rock is not only gone, but Jesus yeah. is risen. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I felt like this whole the main thing for me that I kept coming back to in the second chronicles reading this week was that idea of seeking the Lord. He's going to be found. That verse in Jeremiah, when if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. It's exactly what you were saying. Like we, it's yeah. the man He's versus just, God's sovereignty. Like we have to yeah. go in faith. Like we yeah. take the step of faith. Like that's our part. And then, but God does all the work. All the right. work is completed by God, but yet we still have to be a part of it by going, by doing, yeah. doing it's the stuff faith. faith. Like that's, yeah. yeah. Even for Jehoshaphat and Asa, like they seek yeah. the Lord in faith and he shows up. He wants to show them though. Like, yeah, like, you can't stay here. You have to go. Yeah. He could have taken care of all of them. Like, Oh, don't worry. Yep. They're all dead. I took care of it. But he's like, no, go mm-hmm. and watch the hand of the Lord. And see what I do. Yeah. Yes. He likes to show off. Anything else from second Chronicles? I don't think so. So going to Haggai. I don't really remember 
much about Haggai. But this was definitely prophets reading. Well, okay, so this leads me into the Revelation thing too. I found myself very much, oh boy, this might be too much for a podcast, but I found myself reading it. Okay, I'm going to explain this. Reading it as if it's not literal. All of this, all of the prophets that I read this week and all of the Revelation, I was like, well, that's just a picture. And that's just, that's how I found myself reading of what? I don't know. Like haven't dug into it. Yeah. That was like my natural finding truth about who God is within those images and visions. Yes. Images and visions. That's how I found myself reading it, which I mean, for those of you, I guess if we leave this in the podcast, maybe I should give a little backstory. I, what, two years ago, Erin, when we were still in Gitmo and you were still in Gitmo, I like found myself on this like quest to just to like figure out where I landed on eschatology because I was raised with one perspective and I am pretty sure that my perspective has changed, but I'm not exactly, I haven't put my finger on it specifically yet. But this week, while I was, and I still haven't finished that whole quest, I totally got distracted by Dive Collective. But this week in my reading, it brought it back up again because of the way that I just leaned towards how I read it. So now I have, I really want to like hop on that quest again. How does reading it as if it's a picture affect your interpretation? I don't know. Well, okay. So Zechariah he has all these night visions, right? So that's the whole, all of, all of what we read in Zechariah this week was snippets of these visions that he has that when I read it and I'm like, this is me. I haven't studied Zechariah since college. I have no idea what Zechariah is talking about (laughs) this moment in my life, but it feels very eschatological. Oh yeah. It feels like it goes with, it's very, goes with revelation big time holding stars and yeah, right. Exactly. And so that's why I'm like, well, this and this are the same. (laughs) So I'm going, read this and assume all of this is a picture of something. I'm not sure what, and I'm going to like see where God's character shows through. That's yeah. kind of how I approached it. I, love I don't, I don't know if that's right or wrong. Like I know people who would have huge problems with what I just said. And I, Oh my gosh. Well, I don't people know. that have a hard time with what you just said. <clears throat> don't enjoy the Bible. <laughs> well, and I also am just reading it to reading it, to read it right, right. now too. Like this exactly. isn't me digging in so that like, it's yeah. reasonable for me to read it, especially when I'm in like passages like this, that on the surface don't make any sense at all. Yeah. And you're reading it and that's what you're looking for is looking yes. for. Like, for everybody that's that reading you, with us or most yes. people that are reading with us, our whole audience is supposed to be people that we're just encouraging to read and enjoy mm-hmm. the story. And whatever kinds of things like God brings to mind or like puts, brings to the surface, they're just fun nuggets Yeah. because yeah. I mean, if you start getting into Zechariah and revelation and feeling like you, you're not worthy of even reading the scripture, if you can't, if you're not willing to do the work to understand, right. It, it's like, it's still valuable. Yeah. I mean, to read it. Yeah. If that were the case, well, it's just not, it just is not, it's the just case. not the case. Yeah. Yeah. So Zechariah, like the very beginning kind of goes along with that same train of thought as I was following in second chronicles, the Lord of armies says, return to me and I will return to you. Like just the idea that Jesus, that God, Jesus, both mm-hmm. of them, they're just 
there, like turn to me, I'm there. And then in the first vision in Zechariah chapter one, I underlined this because I wanted to know how Peterson interprets it, translates it. Yeah, because I loved it. It says in verse 13, so first Zechariah sees this vision of horsemen and he's basically asking God how long he's going to wait. He's been angry. How long is he going to withhold mercy? And then in verse 13, it said, the Lord replied with kind and comforting words to the angel who was speaking with me. And then it goes on to say, God says he's jealous for Jerusalem and he's going to, he's basically going to defend them, like fight against their enemies and have mercy on them and rebuild his house. And I just loved that. It makes me think of the and, passage that we're studying for Advent, where it says, comfort, oh, comfort my people, says God. Yes. Like, yeah. I interrupted your train of thought. You were going somewhere with that. No, I was, I was done. I kind of am curious um, to see what yours. Oh, sorry. Okay. Mine says, God reassured the angel messenger, good words, comforting words. Who then addressed me? Tell them this. Tell them that the God of the angel armies has spoken. This is God's message. I care deeply for Jerusalem and Zion. I feel very possessive of them, but I'm thoroughly angry with the godless nations that act as if they own the whole world. I was only moderately angry earlier, but now they've gone too far. I'm going into action. That those kind and comforting words are defender words. Like like God, God's comfort is that he's going to defend his people. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I don't know why I'm on this train of thought, but I keep thinking about, I think because of the Prince of Peace article that I'm writing, like that idea that the Holy Spirit that God puts in us is peace. It is his peace. In fact, that's what he says. My peace, I give you my peace. I leave you. That's what Jesus Mm -hmm. is telling us at the, as he's getting ready to go to the cross is that he's going to leave us this Holy spirit of peace. What does yours say in verse Haggai chapter two, verse nine, two, nine says the final glory of this house will be greater than the first says the Lord of armies. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. So Peterson often, where where wholeness is, I think is often where the word peace is. And holiness is often the word righteousness. In mine, it says um, this temple, and I'm thinking about the temple being a picture of us now. So like what he's talking about is like a temple, whether it's the temple of Jerusalem that's going to be rebuilt or whether it's the temple that's going to be rebuilt in us as the temple of God that holds the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, it says this temple is going to end up far better than it started out a glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish a place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness decree of God of the angel armies. And that idea of peace and righteousness, wholeness and holiness. I found this passage in the NASB in my other Bible in Psalms, Psalm 85 towards the end there's this verse where it talks about this new place where righteousness and peace kiss. And I was like, oh. oh, I mean, he's talking about like this new place that he's building. And this is what it means. Yeah. Like, a place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness, righteousness and peace decrees the God of angel armies. He's talking about the new temple, the place where righteousness and peace kiss. Haggai obviously had no idea what that was going to look like. And you're talking mm-hmm. about seeing it in pictures. And like, I was thinking, man, like we really are just a picture like the temple with the Holy Spirit in it was a picture of what God Mm. was going to do in us. And we're really a picture of what God is going to do in the new world. Did you read that page I sent to you from the book I'm reading? I texted it randomly last night in our meeting. 
so this book that I'm reading is called Strangely Bright, and it's about finding, it's about that balance between like finding pleasure in the gifts that God's given us and finding our ultimate pleasure in God. But he's in the first chapter, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about how like God has given us all of these things in the world to enable us to relate to him so that so he gives us like when, and the example he uses is like Jesus being the bread of life. God gave us bread way back in the beginning so that we would understand Jesus. Like just mm-hmm. the idea that he gives us all of these yes. good gifts to enjoy, but all of those things, it like gives us the framework to understand who God is. And that it's, I've really enjoyed that book. It's been so good. And I loved thinking about that and how, yes, we can enjoy the things for the things I can enjoy taco dinner with my family because I love taco dinner and all of these things that he gives, they give us this framework. And so that, and the temple idea made me think of that, that Mm. God had his people of Israel build a temple for him to dwell so that we would have a framework to understand what it was looking about, what he was talking about when he was sending his spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. That's mind bending to think. Yes, about. it is that like oh, everything mm-hmm. and just the intention out like that every single thing that God did when he created the world, when he wrote this every, book, yes. yes, like every single thing was to point us back to him and to give us that capacity, the framework so that we have the capacity to understand him and how he works and how he loves even just a little bit. Yes. It's mind blowing. Yes. Oh my goodness. The vision in chapter five made me laugh out loud. Oh no. Let me look. The woman in the basket. Yes. I know. I, I definitely read that one twice. Yeah. I still don't know what it means. Cause I think I skimmed over it. That's when I was like, okay. So when I read this week, I read like the first probably three or four days in like second Chronicles then the prophets, then revelation. And then I ended mm-hmm. up reading the rest in chunks. Like I read all, finished all of second Chronicles, finished all of the prophets and finished all of revelation. And when I got to chapter five, I was like, yep. <laughs> this is definitely talking about something else. Okay. God. <laughs> yeah. I actually love, so when I, I really liked chapter four, I'm sorry, I'm going out of order, but it no. says, um, this is God's message to Zerubbabel. You can't force these things. They only come about through my spirit, says God of angel armies. So big mountain, who do you think you are? Next to Zerubbabel, you're nothing but a molehill. He'll proceed to set the cornerstone in place, accompanied by cheers. Yes, yes, do it. After that, the word of God came to me. Zerubbabel started rebuilding this temple and he will complete it. That will be your confirmation that God of the angel armies sent me to you. Does anyone dare despise this day of small beginnings? They'll change their tune when they see Zerubbabel setting the last stone in place. I don't know why. It just made me think about um, that work can't be completed and celebrated unless it's started. And that starting something is really hard. Starting something that's going to be, be, that's ultimately going to be beautiful is really hard to keep in mind that it will be worth it because the starting, it feels small. I always Mm -hmm. despise the days of small beginnings. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't help but like just think about Dive Collective in general. Like it just made me totally think about these are the days of small beginnings and they feel awful, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. Like, that's the <laughs> point, right? Is that it's like, yeah. 
if you keep in mind the vision of what we hope it is, mm-hmm. then it's worth it. But there's always the like right. starting it. It's like, will this ever be compl- like, will this ever be what I think it's going to be like? And as they're building this enormous <clears throat> temple, like if you see the pictures of what the temple was in Jerusalem, it was enormous. Can you imagine laying that first stone? Like, yeah, this work will never be done. Mm-hmm. Not in my generation or the next generation or the generation after that. It just must have felt so useless. Yeah. Okay. I think too, like kind of, I think this is a little same lines, but maybe a different perspective. I don't know if it's a translation thing. My translation says Zerubbabel's hands have laid the foundation of his house, of this house and his hands will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of armies has sent me to you for who despises the day of small things. These seven eyes of the Lord, which scan through the whole earth will rejoice when they see the ceremonial stone in Zerubbabel's hand. So I was thinking too, like when you just, as you were talking, I was thinking when you are like those days of small things, when you're just working and you like, when you lose the big vision, that's when you just start trudging when Mm -hmm. you're just like plowing through. But when you keep that big picture in front of you, I think that, I guess I'm also relating it to dive collective. That's when it it makes it easier because you have some excitement. And it's like, when I read this, it seems like that ceremonial stone in Zerubbabel's hand was like this motivator kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You need that. Yeah. I don't have anything else from Zechariah. I don't know that I'll have anything from Revelation. I'm just going to listen to you talk. Well, I probably am not going (laughs) to. I feel like if I, if I think through it as far as the, um, Yeah, there are a few little things that as I went through, when you think about the story of scripture and how, like here we are in the very last book and in the letter to the Laodiceans, he calls him, he calls Jesus the originator of God's creation. And that made me think of that everlasting father thing and how I wrestled through that. But just the idea that all three of them were there way back at the beginning, like he's referencing. And then in five, he talks about, he calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. And just like thinking about like, this is, we've been reading, we read from the beginning about how God promised that he was going to establish his throne through David. And here, this is talking about him finally coming back as the root of David and that he's worthy. He's the only one that's worthy. That very last verse in chapter seven, it says, for the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And I just was thinking about the lamb being the shepherd, that the lamb, he's the lamb because he's the sacrifice, right? Like he was the once for all sacrifice to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay. But because of the fact that he's not dead, that he's alive, he becomes the shepherd. Like he leads mm-hmm. us. Whoa. Like it's like this big loop sort of that doesn't, is, it goes back shouldn't make any sense, but makes perfect sense. You know what I mean? Like that the lamb is also the shepherd. That shouldn't make sense, but it does. It does make sense. The convoluted nature of trying to like parse out the names of God, everlasting father, prince of peace, mm-hmm. because it's the Trinity It's three in one. He's all of these things. Like, just like you were saying that he's all of these things because he is the prince of peace. Like he came as the prince of peace. That's what he is here to set up a kingdom of peace through his Holy spirit that dwells in us. But he's also the conquering King that's going to come back 
for us as the King of Kings right. and Lord of Lords. But that's actually what it made me think of when it said my new name. That's kind of what I wonder is because it says faithful and true is on is tattooed on his leg, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, and he will be called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Like, which name is the new name? Is it all like, will it all be one name? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just he's, he has these, he will have this new name. Just like right now, he's he's the lamb. He's the lamb of God mm-hmm. and the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too much. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.